0: Welcome to the Curious Body Podcast, brought to you by the Pilates Foundation. The Pilates Foundation is a not-for-profit organisation that supports and promotes our community of innovative and passionate teachers. If you'd like to hear more about the Pilates Foundation and our upcoming events, visit www.pilatesfoundation.com or find us on social media by searching Pilates Foundation. Hello, oh, we have got a bit of a summer special coming your way. During one of our recent book clubs, we were discussing The Living Wetsuit by Sue Adstrom and talking about the connective tissue in our body and how scar tissue affects and changes its function and movement. Some of us on the call that evening had never, touch wood, had any surgery or injury to cause such scarring. But one of our attendees had. Mel Koopland, who I'll be talking to shortly, has been through a lot. And in talking, we came to discuss a little about her breast cancer story. I feel very privileged that Mel has been willing to share this story with us and to give us all a bit of an idea of what clients with breast cancer may be going through, what to perhaps expect ourselves should we ever find ourselves or someone we know in this situation. And most of all, to talk and share the awareness and a little knowledge of what that world may look like. We wanted to go into detail with this recording. So, this show is split into two, maybe even three. And Mel has been so kind as to offer a movement class following on from this podcast come September. We'll share more about that with you soon. I'm joined today by long standing Pilates Foundation member and comprehensive teacher, Mel Coupland. Hi, Mel. Hi. Mel has been a Pilates teacher since 1999 and a student of Pilates for longer. Her initial training in mat work was with Michael King, the founder of the Pilates Institute. She continued her training in 2005 with Anne Marie Zulkahari and Hannah Jones, two of the founding members of the Pilates Foundation. Mel teaches mat and apparatus and has found the work and knowledge of her body integral to her journey with breast cancer over the last five years. And I'd like to note that this is a documentation of Mel's own experience and would like to thank her immensely for sharing this with us. So Mel, thank you so much for joining me today. Could you tell us a little bit about how your journey started? Hi Kat, Um,
1: thank you for um, allowing me to join um, the podcast and to talk about breast cancer. This uh, came about because of the last book club we did the living wetsuit and a question about how your fascia might be affected by a mastectomy. Um, I've had breast cancer twice now in the last two years it's a club that no one wants to join but one in seven women in their lifetime are diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017 that was 54,700 women And 390 men. We can't forget that men get diagnosed with breast cancer as well. Yeah. And I was one of that number. It's an important subject, I think. And the more those of us that have been through it talk about it, I think the less of a taboo it will become. It might seem, I think, that there's a lot more cancer about these days, but I think we just have better diagnostic tools we have more tailored treatment plans and therefore more people are living with cancer and a lot of us think about we're living with cancer not mm. dying of cancer and i think that's yeah, yeah. really important yeah. yeah so breast cancer under the age of 50 is classified as rare and i was 43 when i was first diagnosed um before my first diagnosis um, of breast cancer I'd only seen maybe one person as a client with breast cancer. And it was a lovely lady um, who'd had a single mastectomy and she wore a prosthetic. And we had a long-standing joke that whenever she lay on her side, her <laughs> boob would fall out on the floor and I'd have to run over to her and whisper, put your boob back in place. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was, my, um, that was my only client at that point that had had, breast cancer. But since then, I've been able to help many of my clients um, go through their breast cancer journey as well. And I've been lucky enough to talk with them before and always talk with them during and obviously keep teaching them afterwards. And I think they're happy to um, confide in me because they know um, about my journey and I've been open about my journey um, all the way through. Um and since that first diagnosis, I've actually trained as a Pink Ribbon Programme Pilates teacher. So I've done the
0: the training to teach along the way as well. Is that something that um any Pilates teacher could go and do? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: yeah, just put the pink ribbon pink yeah. ribbon program on into you know Google and it will come up with their details. Um, yeah. yeah. Great. Okay brilliant at, look at that. um so for most people a cancer diagnosis is um, a really emotional ro- roller coaster and they just go into survival mode so many times you probably won't see um, a client through a diagnosis they'll disappear off and maybe come back to you months or years um, later after they finish their treatment
0: um I was just thinking I, I'd seen that you'd said about this and, um, I'd funnily enough message a client of mine who is going through treatment at the moment and just as a check in, just to say hello. And then funny enough bumped into her as I was cycling home the other night. And she, she said sort of just this in terms of, she can't deal with anything else. She's got kids at home. She's got lots going on. And, um, as much as she wants to go and do things she just can't manage it
1: you only have so much energy and you can only give it to so many things and yeah yeah, Yeah. definitely yeah Yeah. so again I'd like to say thank you for letting me talk about this I mean I have been very open with my family and friends through my diagnosis and I, I had really thought I was dealing with it really well but actually I was writing notes this podcast and um I guess I went into full fight or flight mode I started shaking sweating feeling faint like I hadn't Mm -hmm. eaten so um I want you to thank you I want to thank you for um helping me and allowing me to write this all down um for this Mm -hmm. podcast um and as you know it's turned from a few little notes into pretty much a book that my husband thinks we should (laughs) Yes. (laughs) On Amazon.
0: Definitely. Um, (laughs) You've practically written it. (laughs) Oh dear. And like like, it's the part of the process for you and like you say, it's helping us as um other teachers and anyone who's going through it. Yeah. Well, you know, as I said I talked to lots of people throughout
1: all of the treatment, but actually putting it all down as a whole Mm. big process that you've been through. Mm. Yeah, that was
0: yeah, and, you know, I mean, of course, hope it's the end of the journey in terms of having to have any kind of treatment, yeah. but it's not the end of the journey in terms of what your body's been through and going through. So, it, it is a bit of a documentation, and, and maybe eventually we revisit it as well. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> so, my
1: journey started back at the beginning of December in 2016. It was just a normal day, I was just having a shower. And I noticed I had a lump on my left breast, was quite high up, quite near my collarbone, um, almost um, above um, the nipple area. Um, Mm. And it was fairly solid and round, a bit like a pea. Um, And I just thought I'd just keep an eye on it. So, you know, it might be that time of the month, that part of my cycle. And I'd just Mm. keep an eye on it for, for a few weeks. And I, as you do, you keep checking it, poking it, prodding it. And um, obviously it became sore. Um, And eventually after a couple of weeks, I thought, right, I'm going to ask my husband what he thought. And he said, that's it, go to the doctors. So, uh, so I did. I phoned the doctors and um, if you tell them you've got a breast lump, you will be seen pretty quickly. Mm. Um, And actually I got seen a couple of days before Christmas. My doctor agreed that it needed checking, but because of my age, she wasn't really concerned about it. Um, And they have a protocol that you have to have your mammogram and obviously ultrasound within two weeks. So there's two weeks protocol that has to be put into place. Mm. Um, So um, on the 4th of January um, 2017, I had my mammogram and ultrasound. Um,
0: And I'm guessing, Kat, you may not have had a mammogram yet. Um, I haven't. No, Um... (laughs) no. but i re- i remember a description from a work colleague a long time ago and then actually from like friends and family since um it's like putting your breast into a photocopier <laughs> worse <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's not what i expected mm-hmm. i mean i was expecting them almost to put a machine flat against your breast and push it up against mm-hmm. your rib cage and that's why it would be um uncomfortable because i've heard it would be uncomfortable um And um, actually, no. I went in and um, you go up to one of these big machines and there was a uh, plate in front of you and you lift your boob up and you put it flat on the plate right up against um, your rib cage. And then there's another plate that comes down from the top against your rib cage and just squashes it like a sandwich press. Yeah. Yeah. And she just kept pressing and pressing and then goes okay stay there and she walks off <laughs> behind the screen yeah. to take the image and i was left like oh my goodness me i didn't know my boobs were supposed to do that
0: at all yeah um, as if you weren't <laughs> sort of shocked enough that you're going through the process we yeah so we know what the process is this is yeah. yeah anyway so um They
1: take several images and then she goes off, they check the images are clear enough for obviously a radiologist to read. Um, So that was fine. And then they sent me off to take me for the ultrasound and some biopsies. Um, And obviously that's a needle biopsy that they put a needle into the lump and take a small little sample out mm. um, and they did that through the lump and they actually did that in the axilla to some of the uh, one or two of the lymph nodes at the same time mm. um, it's it's quite uncomfortable when they take out the lump you can feel almost it makes a very loud sound but there's um something inside that goes in and takes like a piece out, which wow. is obviously you can feel is a little bit uncomfortable and obviously a lot of people are quite often bruised after mm. um their biopsies um for several weeks afterwards. Um, and she said that's fine and I was just about to leave and she said she was concerned about mm. the, the lump that she had taken, which I think really told me what I needed to know. Um, Uh, And then I was obviously sent off and told seven to 10 days later, I would um, get the results. Um, So yeah, so I was called in for an appointment on the 11th of January. So about seven days um, later, where I met the breast consultant, the breast surgeon, um he had two nurses with him and um obviously it's for covid so my husband was allowed in and they'll normally ask you to bring someone along to these appointments as mm. well um so firstly he did an examination and obviously he could feel the lump and then obviously he told me you have breast cancer mm. um so this is where for a lot of people they fall apart and you probably won't <laughs> hear or take on much more information for a lot of people after that point, um, um, I was I was okay. I, you know, I sort of knew that's probably what was going to happen. So my next question was, you know, what what is the plan then? What what do we do from from here? So they give you lots of information about what they've got from the biopsies. Um, you end up with, um, in fact, mine is was an eighteen millimeter grade two invasive ductile carcinoma associated intermediate grade ductile carcinoma in situ zero two smb er positive so estrogen positive eight progesterone positive eight per two negative which at the time absolutely means nothing nothing. (laughs) yes I think and... the, the bit that you most of us understand maybe was like grade two or stage two. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And just on that, like, what you said about your reaction. Obviously, your husband was with you. How, you know, how did he react? Do you think he? It's like the same thing it's just not you know any any extra information is just not going to go anywhere um was he you know how was he with you
1: my husband is very quiet and doesn't give a lot (laughs) away so even (laughs) now you don't get much information back from him about it so yeah I can't I can't say actually how he felt in that way because he doesn't
0: give you really that information yeah yeah um and it's hard sort of putting myself in those shoes what can you do yeah what can you do in that moment that's going to help what that's going to change anything um it's just a process to go through isn't it
1: yeah yeah Yeah. um for me it it was about knowing where we were going to Mm. what we needed to do um you know Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't life-threatening so therefore mm. it it it's okay that's fine now we just need to get this done and hopefully move on from it isn't it mm. you know I think if it had been, you know a stage four diagnosis then you know your reaction might be very different isn't it mm-hmm. but yeah yeah. yeah so yeah so um They ask for a lot of information about you, about your family history, your age. Obviously, they do look at your breast size and obviously how big the lump is and where um, the lump is in the breast, obviously. Um, Mm. And they come up with a plan. And this plan has been um, devised beforehand. So they have a multidisciplinary team. Um, So my breast surgeon, the oncologist that I obviously hadn't met um, and then a pathologist every week they get together and they talk about all the people that they're wow. treating at the moment and they come up with what plans are in advance so it's never one person yeah. um, making a decision it's a multidisciplinary team mm-hmm. that that deal with anything so uh, my uh, plan at that point was because at any point in these processes the plans can change which will find out obviously later on um mm. but my, my plan was a lumpectomy with a sentinel node clearance um and following the surgery I would then obviously meet my oncologist and I would go for radiation and then I would be put on tamoxifen for five years um so yeah and yeah. I was like okay that's fine when yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so um yeah, so I was uh, given roughly a date to the end of sort of January um, and um, I left from the surgeon and uh, I was taken into another room with one of the nurses that had been there. She came in with me and she introduced herself and she was one of the Macmillan nurses. So um, you'll get assigned a Macmillan nurse um, and she's sort of your liaison um. For dates and appointments and mm. how the feeling and everything that's going on um she took us into a room and asked me obviously how I was and I answered um, that I was fine because I did actually feel fine I knew what the plan was and for me that's what worked but I swear she wanted me to burst into tears and start crying <laughs> you, know, you know when you see someone and they're just like yeah no um so um yeah yeah it's very 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 strange but i suppose that a lot of people's reaction and that's what yeah they get used to seeing isn't it yeah, so, that's what I was yeah.
0: but it's more of a, a shock and actually like right your yours is quite diplomatic in terms of like right okay now now what do we do so yeah. what do i do about this <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah if anyone knows me i'm quite practical mm. so yeah so yeah, yeah.
0: crying
1: was was just yeah not gonna happen not 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 gonna happen but it wasn't an option mm. does that make sense
0: yeah yeah but also I was thinking so far this sounds great in terms of process in that yeah you're seen immediately you, you're going through this whole process and then to be given someone who is almost like your um okay they still use medical language that at first you might not necessarily take in but I always see nurses you know it's like um that slightly different approach someone who's there to look after you yeah um, not to just make decisions and we're going to do this we're going to do that yeah. um how amazing to have someone that you can I guess contact when yes. you needed to or wanted to yeah it's amazing yeah. what they do yeah
1: yeah so yeah so after that we left the hospital we obviously came home we told obviously the rest of the family Um, But most importantly, we told our son, who was three, going on four. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we kept it simple. We just told him that I was not very well and that I was going to have an operation and some Mm. other treatment and, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, But we also told his school or his preschool. So we knew that there were people keeping an eye on him. Yeah. Yeah yeah oh sorry yeah Yeah. go for it
0: oh it's part of the process (laughs) yes
1: part of the process so after a a week from that appointment we still hadn't heard any confirmation of the date and obviously I was getting a little bit concerned um it almost felt to me like I could feel the lump getting bigger Mm. um it's very strange that when you become aware of it, it it just feels like it's getting bigger all the time yeah. um and it was over sort of that weekend um we have a lovely lady that comes and grooms our dogs that we've known for absolutely years mm. and we were just chatting away about it and she says but don't you have private medical insurance and I was like yes and she's uh, like why are you not using it what are you keeping it for and you know how like yeah. an epiphany you just go yeah. oh my god why am I not mm going down this route you know I've been paying into it for for years yeah Yeah, I've earned it what's it it for otherwise yeah Yeah. so on on the Monday morning I um phoned up my Macmillan nurse and asked her you know did we have a date yet have we got anything confirmed and she Mm. was like no it's um still up in the air hopefully the end of January and I was like well what happens now if I use my um private medical and um she said she couldn't help me anymore which um, I was a bit shocked about. I thought was a bit rude, really. Um, And uh, I think that's probably, I can't quite remember, but about where the conversation ended because I then decided I was going to contact my insurance, who obviously were then very helpful. um, And um, the lady that I spoke to then became my liaison um, through my insurance. So I then dealt with her and um the private secretary for mm. my breast surgeon um and the minute I contacted her, I actually had a date of the twenty fourth of January for the operation, which was mm. a week away um so I got it a week earlier than possibly they were planning, but actually in seven days' time, I had a date for the operation so yeah,
0: which like you said of your practical mind, that's all you needed to know yeah that's all yeah. you needed. Yeah. Well, yes. as
1: teachers you can't make plans mm-hmm. of what's going to happen how yeah. you're
0: gonna um
1: not when you're not going to be able to teach a class um mm. if you if you don't have a date is it and yeah um yeah keeping that information and still being able to teach is quite a challenge mm-hmm.
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Why you're not there. Yeah.
1: Why I might not be there or why my brain might not quite be a hundred percent in what yeah. you're doing as well. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, you know, I know I'm very lucky that I have private medical insurance and that it was able to kick in and um, look after me. Um, and I can't possibly imagine how I would have dealt with having to wait maybe another couple of weeks to have had the surgery. Um yeah because the waiting is the worst part going from you know like having the mammogram and the biopsies that week of waiting for someone I mean we we knew we would get a phone call and that waiting for a phone call you know Mm. has anyone phoned every time you go out it's really yeah it's really hard yeah one of the worst parts I think for a lot of people
0: yeah I mean it's I'm bad enough sort of Waiting for something that's happening the same day when I know it's happening, but yeah, you know, like a parcel being delivered, it's like, get it done now. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't even begin to imagine, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um,
1: yeah, so I had a week to get myself ready for the surgery, which meant I had a week of telling all my clients in classes that I would be off for a couple of weeks and telling them that, um, I had breast cancer. Um, and I decided the best way to do that was at the end of the class. And I got everyone to stand up at the end of the class and I got them to close their eyes. And um, I told them that obviously um, i had been diagnosed with breast cancer, that it was uh, a 1.18 millimeter lump, sorry, stage two. Mm. And that next week I'd be going in for a lumpectomy and I wouldn't be teaching for a couple of weeks, but that I was okay. Well, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Um, but it's everyone else's reaction that's really hard to deal with yeah Yeah. Um, for me I found um, people saying I'm sorry really difficult Mm because I was like you didn't give this to me Mm -hmm. you know I I was yeah I was almost angry that people were saying I'm sorry you know yeah it was it was almost like I'm sorry you're dying and it was like no, I'm not, you know, this this is curable. I told you I'm going to be back in a couple of weeks. It's yeah, does that yeah, make sense? we hear it's the word, word. word. We yeah,
0: cancer. That word, cancer, and like yeah. you said just at the beginning, like, um, you hear that word and you go, Oh my gosh, it's the it. that's it, mm-hmm. but like, so many more people are living through it, living with it, um, you know, everything. It's changing so rapidly in terms of treatment. Surely, yeah, when when will we kind of change and change our thought around that? Yeah. So, you know, since then
1: I I've been really careful about what I say to people when they give me this information. And I always try and say thank you for sharing this with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: lovely. Because
1: it's really difficult to share. This information with someone else
0: yeah
1: Yeah. so
0: yeah rather than i'm sorry it's a thank you for for the words to come out of your mouth and actually and just looking back at you know like you're saying it's breast cancer it's a 1.8 millimeter lump it's stage two we need more um awareness of what these stages mean maybe um to create that change okay stage two that's all right, you know, yeah. like, and just, um yeah, I, I think what you're saying about, yeah, thank you for sharing this information, but it's, I mean, I guess it's quite a British thing yeah. in some ways I'm sorry. Yes. Because people don't know what to say. Yeah. And and that's where it does need to be spoken about more, you know, a bit like we're doing now. If we yeah. talk about it, you know, um, I can't remember what the figures are. Isn't it something like we we'll all know of, so is it one in two people will get cancer so you're yeah. you know in your household so yeah what does that what does that equate to yeah yeah, yeah definitely and, yeah there's um and of course they understand for some people it's not quite the same story dependent on this the, the stage that they're at yeah but, um, yeah
1: But even a lot of people with stage four Mm. cancers now are living five, ten years being treated, maintained. They might not be able to be cured, but they are still being treated and still living um, well through this treatment. Um, And as you say, with cancer, it doesn't Mm. necessarily like maybe... 10 definitely 20 years ago mm. it's not the death sentence that it used to be um and treatments are improving all of the time and actually breast cancer you know the it the prognosis is really good for a lot of people these days
0: yeah so yeah. um, um, the the oh, i can't think of the word but like the, the stuff that they do to find it in the first place yeah 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 and talking yeah. about it again, you know, yes. talking yeah. to your friends yes. like, have you have you done this? Or I get a text yeah. from Copperfield. They
1: text, Yes, like quite a
0: comedic text every yes. month. Like you know, have you have you yeah. have you checked your breasts? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well,
1: I mean, it, it's definitely one of those things that obviously I'm going to stay at the end. It is obviously check your breasts regularly and mm. never not go to a mammogram if you're offered one. Yeah. You know, never leave it or put but it How off. lucky
0: are we to yeah. be offered that as well for free
1: yeah you know? the nhs for free you don't have to pay to have these screening programs you know your smears your mammograms you know mm. yes they're not comfortable they're not nice but actually mm. it's five minutes out of one day you know yeah. every three years they are aren't they so yeah
0: yeah anyway <laughs> we're going up on <laughs> But a good one, a good tangent. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So um, the day before I had to have my surgery, I had to go in for a contrast CT scan um, so that they could find out whether the cancer had moved just from the lump that I had into any of the lymph nodes underneath my armpit. And they injected all around the areola. No anesthetic. They put a dye in. (laughs) oh yeah I know um and then <laughs> send me or send me off for a couple of hours and I had to then come back and have the scan um yeah so mm. that they could see the flow of this dye and it was a blue dye that um go where it drains into those lymph nodes so they know which ones are affected from that lump mm. um and actually it is a blue dye um it's a blue dye like a lot of um, you know the mats and the things that we use in the studio. That sort of this
0: um, blue, this blue, yeah, like NHS blue, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no,
1: yeah. Well, you can imagine I then had a blue nipple for almost a year afterwards, and it faded from that blue, obviously very subtly through several shades of blue until eventually it disappeared, um, which was interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like a Smurf. Yeah, I thought, wow, that's bad. I'll remember that. It's like
1: a smurf, yes. But yeah, just <laughs> al- already
0: making your body feel a bit alien to you. Yeah. Um, it is strange you have this diagnosis of cancer but mm. you know I
1: didn't feel unwell in any way shape or form yes I had a lump which was a little bit sore and I had loads of you know needle biopsies and things which were sore but actually I wasn't unwell in any way shape or form yeah. and almost felt like a bit of a, a yeah. fraud yeah. because mm. I was you know I went out running that, that day um, before my surgery I went and ran 10k because I thought well I don't know when I'm next going to be able to get out for a run so yeah. let's let's go and have a, a nice run so yeah. yes it is very strange um yeah 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 so yeah so obviously the day of the surgery is pretty straightforward you're not allowed to obviously eat or drink and you get wheeled into the operating theater um and uh, the first thing i get asked is what what are you what are we doing and i'm like don't you know what you're doing? <laughs> yeah, so obviously I, I um, say a lumpectomy on the left side and essential no clearance. And um, yeah, anyway, they um, give me some <laughs> drugs and uh, I go to sleep and uh, wake up, obviously, in recovery, very groggy, um, and I try to adjust myself in the bed, um, you know, trying to move myself up. And I get a searing pain as I try and use my left arm to push myself. Up the bed and I think, oh can't you better not do that again. So I get put back or taken back into my room. Um and we have to then uh I then have to put on a, a bra because they want you just to support mm. obviously the breast. So right. um I've taken um, a sports bra with me because obviously it's not allowed to be underwired or anything. Yeah. Um and I obviously go to put it on and we realize that there's obviously quite a little bit of swelling and we have to get um an, a bra expander to get it so it can do up mm. at the back um and obviously because you can't lift your arms very far you have to think about what clothing you're taking in um because you can't get anything over your head to get it on or off so um you know all your tops need to be
0: buttoned up or zipped up and I guess you're always um, being front. sort of inspected can we yes. look at this and can we check yes. that yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so I've had one lymph node taken from underneath um the armpit, and they give you a little cushion to put underneath there. Um really just it's not very comfortable your arm being that close to your body, even though I'd only had one lymph node removed, it felt like there was a great big space underneath my armpit. My arm. Does that make sense? And in my armpit. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want it to be that close into the side of the body; it didn't feel right. So um, they give you—they gave a little heart pillow um, that um, is made by some I volunteers see. for free, yeah. Yeah. Um, just to put and keep the arm um, in place away. I then obviously had to wear the lovely compression socks
0: for. Mm-hmm.
1: A couple of weeks for 24 hours a day um and my suggestion would always be make sure you've got two pairs a wash and wear pair um mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah love
0: that um yeah my thought just then you said about yeah the um arm feeling close it's just the fact that you felt that I guess because of the swelling isn't it I yeah. was I'd seen it in your notes and I was picturing is that because something's like been removed that your arm feel you know you're aware of where your arm is does it feel closer than it normally it, would it does
1: it feel <laughs> closer does that it does feel mm. closer mm. um but at the same time you're trying to keep it away does it, yeah. with this cushion but it it
0: you're holding it it all
1: know, wants to pull really in true. i think it's that it all wants to pull in does that make sense i think it's a maybe a protection thing yeah it, yeah that makes Um,
0: sense yeah yeah and then just in terms of anyone who doesn't know what a lumpectomy is could you give a brief description of of Yeah. yeah what that is
1: um so a lumpectomy or they call it breast conserving surgery so these days they try and maintain um the aesthetic look of a breast as much as possible so um, for me, um, my surgery um, was that they went around the outside of the areola, um, the top crescent shape of it. They cut around it. My surgeon folded that down mm. and then went under the skin and um, cut quite a large like uh, windscreen wiper shape across. Does that make sense to get under into the lump and took the yes. lump out from there from inside? um and then obviously stitched all the way back up um and that was mine obviously it could just be that they just cut into the breast take the lump out and then just stitch Mm -hmm. it all the way back up but they're trying to keep the aesthetic look and sometimes it will depend on the size of the lump so if you're um a quite small breasted and you had mm. like a 18 millimeter lump it might be they still want to do a mastectomy because there's just not enough breast tissue um, and they want to make sure they've always got clear borders around the edge where they don't have any cancer
0: spreading to yeah. so
1: some of it sometimes depends on the size of the lump and the size of the breast as to mm. what they do but yeah. yeah their main aim is to keep the aesthetics as good as possible these days yeah
0: the healthy tissue yes yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah Thanks. Um, oh that's no problem
1: yeah so my surgeon like I just said did an amazing job um I didn't have a scar that you would see um unless I was naked and actually because he had gone around the outside of the areola even when it had healed completely you you could hardly see that there was any sort of incision um, there so yeah so um what you also have is you have a drain so they put a little tube under your breast from um the side of your rib cage probably somewhere around where your bra sits. a tube will go in and all the way underneath your breast and then the tube will go out into a little container um, to drain off any excess fluid mm. um from the surgery. So I had my own little handbag that I carried <laughs> around with me um, with a little hook. Um, yeah, so um, that first um, night um, was really uncomfortable. I was in a lot more pain than I I thought I was going to be in. I was taking a lot of Oramol for several hours, but that was obviously good for the pain, but that was no good for me trying to get any sleep so in the end I just decided that's it I've got to stop taking these drugs and I've just got to try and get some sleep that's the only way my body is going to heal a little bit um so I eventually obviously I did manage to get to sleep on my back I couldn't obviously lie on that left side where the drain was and I tried to turn onto my right side but thought I was going to be sick so um I stayed sleeping Mm. on my back Um, yeah Anyway, so um, I saw my surgeon the next day and he was obviously happy. Um, I was given um, an exercise book that I was sent home with, so a breast cancer care exercise um, book. Well, you got it. <laughs> I've still got it, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: what did you make of it?
1: Um, I mean, it is, it's good. It yeah. is good, but it's very obviously limited to just those first, maybe weeks or months after. There's no ongoing um you know I never saw physio um at any point (laughs) um but it yeah it gets you started does that make sense so in that way um you know it's difficult isn't it I I have hopefully quite a bit of knowledge so for me these are quite easy simple but I suppose for some people you know who aren't used to moving or exercising or have no idea um what their body feels like doing these, some of these things normally oh, man, let alone yeah. after a surgery yeah. you know they're probably quite challenging quite um scary because it is painful to start off with mm. to to get things moving yeah um, so yeah so i saw my surgeon he sent me home he sent me with the booklet i had an appointment for a couple of days later um three days and then nine days after the operation. Um, obviously I wasn't allowed to drive for two weeks and I had
0: my lovely compression socks (laughs) (laughs) you got rid of your handbag by that point
1: no I've still Still got my handbag handbag. yes Ah. yeah so um, my little handbag um, hopefully um, because they want to see how much fluid is draining off um, you keep that until um, Mm. you're not producing 20 to 30 mils of fluid in a 24-hour period um I've learned that later on but yeah that's that yeah we'll I hear didn't about know that. at that time yeah we'll hear about that way in the future but that's uh. <laughs> um to be honest at this point I wasn't using that arm at all really to do anything everything hurt um I had no grip strength um no ability to reach it you know reaching for anything was painful I was just really protective of the the whole area you mm-hmm. know it was my left hand so I could hold a cup of tea but actually I didn't actually want to do very much with that arm you know mm-hmm. even just you know I got into the car for my husband to take me home and I realized I couldn't reach the door let alone pull it in I couldn't actually get mm-hmm. to the handle to pull it in or the seatbelt. I couldn't get to that either so you have to rejiggle how you mm-hmm. do a lot of things I oh, yeah um it's like that
0: um i mean i've not had this for years but you know if you've got back pain you just realize how much you you use it and how much we use our bodies and i'm just thinking um in some ways because of the work that you do anyway with pilates there's a lot of prehab without necessarily knowing it yes um but like you're saying for some people they have never done any of that stuff or learned any of that stuff or are aware of any of that yeah um, yeah, and it kind of just goes to show how we just need to get, you know, a little bit of that message across, even to yeah. children at school, just so it's, you know, yeah. it's fed into our being. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Sorry. Yeah. another no, that's
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: lovely. So I had this lovely drain and the drain obviously means you can't shower. Um, You're not allowed to put your arms above shoulder height because it's held in place by a stitch. So any sort of movement there is really um, very uncomfortable. So I obviously had my exercises to do, which are just your basic shoulder rolls, your shoulder shrugs and back down. um, Hands on the shoulders, lifting them forward in front of you and out to the side. And that was all I was allowed to do, um, apart from trying to touch my hands behind my back yeah Mm -hmm. so those are the exercises that you're given um and um you know I realized that I needed to be doing a little bit more um but so I, I actually started just um lying on the floor and just trying to breathe I knew if I could get myself lying on the floor on a solid surface that would be good for obviously mm. my neck, my back, and the rest of my body. Um, and then I just oh, I just thought I've got to breathe. I've got to try and breathe into this area that's all been um, affected mm. from the surgery. So I just lay on my back with my arms by my side. And I would just gradually begin to see if I could just keep my arms on the floor, but just slide them a little bit further out to the side, just trying to get to a T position. And I, I obviously didn't get anywhere near a T position to start mm. off with. But I, you know, I was there every night um, up to 30 minutes, just lying on the floor, just trying to, you know, breathe, you know, as we know how important breathing is, you know, that was all, that was what I was focusing on. It's just getting the anesthetic out sort of thing and getting your lungs yeah. back moving and that movement
0: through your rib cage and yeah. And that sounds like a nice investigation like refinding your body given that something has changed and it's yeah. I think you said about like holding you know holding yeah your arm in a slightly different way and and just not using it it's almost like investigating yeah. and refinding your body yeah it's nice. well, I
1: think otherwise it's very easy for people to just sit on the sofa and watch tv yeah. and not actually do anything and yeah just do these couple of exercises and um that's it's detrimental it, but... in
0: so many more yeah. ways than yeah. you know trying yeah. to do something yeah mm. yeah
1: so I made sure as well that every day I got out with the dogs I took the dogs for a walk um yeah so that I got some fresh air as well and um, mm. yeah yeah so I went with my little handbag in my pocket and <laughs> still managed to get out I remember yeah. the first time we went it was just half an hour or, or 20 minutes I think and the boys have gone with me and I said at one point I need I need that's it I've had enough you need to get the car do you know what I mean and the boys yeah. strolled off in front of me but by the time they'd got to the car I'd caught them up do you know what I mean oh. in my head <laughs> I was like you were supposed to run and get me the car but yeah. you didn't <laughs> I was fine and I got there and I was fine yeah yeah yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the um, the drain for nine days in the end it was finally removed after nine de- days and they just cut the stitch and then they just pull this tube out it just seems to go on forever wow. um yeah <sighs> um so that was nice because that meant I could have a shower which was yeah yeah needed <laughs> sponge, sponge baths and no yeah fun. no <laughs> there's and nothing washing my quite hair. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although my son had been enjoying washing my hair over the bath he oh. loved helping doing that yeah <laughs> um, and we got the histology back so even though they've got um, the results from the biopsy Everything that's removed is taken off to the to the lab and obviously retested again. And obviously things change. Obviously the lump was a little bit bigger, um, but actually everything else was the same. But in the surrounding tissue around the lump, they hadn't ended up with clear borders. We had a a border that had a couple of stray right. cells in, um, which was fine. And there was nothing in obviously those lymph nodes, um, but they decided that um, obviously they didn't need to go in again and take any more, that the radiation would sort of mop those stray cells up when I had obviously the radiation. Right. So it wasn't a concern, yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously I got, um, well, I got to go to the extra bit of the booklet with some extra mm-hmm. exercises that I was allowed um, to do. So I was allowed to now try and put my hands behind my head as if I was almost going to do like an ab too, almost curl up. Um, and um, and the walking up the wall. So walking your fingers up the wall in front of you and obviously on your side, out to the side, I could start to do those um, as well. Um, not that I could do them very easily. It was very tight and obviously very um, restricted. Um, and obviously the whole area was a bit nervy and it was numb. So although in the breast conserving, where my scar was was very small, but because of where he'd gone up um to remove Mm. the lump, a whole, I suppose, quarter of the breast area had been affected Mm. by the surgery, which um, you know, in hindsight, if I'd known, I probably would have said just go into where the lump is and just Mm. do an incision there and take it out. because i'm obviously not worried about what scars that i have um but obviously that wasn't a suggestion at the time this was the only Mm -hmm. option that he 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 said but that's because again like i said they're looking at the aesthetics um and um not the impact that necessarily has on the rest of the body because obviously after you've seen them um so I saw him nine days. I probably didn't see him again for maybe six months afterwards. So yeah, once you're signed off from the surgeon, yeah, you're on your own. Yeah. Mm.
0: yeah. How did that feel?
1: Um, I suppose for me, again, I wasn't worried because mm. I I have the knowledge to know what to do to rehab yourself. Does that makes sense
0: it does yeah
1: as a teacher so as a yeah yeah
0: um
1: and and again it's that awareness of what's normal in your body what's yeah um things stretching what's you doing too much and what's obviously pain is part of it isn't it and if you're not used to some of some of that then it's all pain isn't it and it's all I shouldn't be doing it isn't it Whereas I knew to a certain extent, I had to work a little bit towards what's uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 To make a difference eventually, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So um, I was doing those extra exercises. And again, the final one in the book is obviously um, lying on the floor and beginning to take your arms over. Behind your head, um, what I would call an arm lift. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I had new exercises um, to add in to and what this I was still doing. Being,
0: having seen a physio. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I don't know at what point you would be given a, a physio. Yeah. But, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So after two weeks obviously I went back to driving and I went back to teaching um I found driving very difficult um initially obviously not so much the driving the hands on the steering wheel but actually reaching out to the gearbox to change the gear obviously it was my left arm that was affected Mm. and again it was that stretch and that reach um was um uncomfortable but not that so much that you didn't want to do it does that make sense yeah mm-hmm. and I obviously started getting back to teaching um I was obviously very careful um I didn't do any sideline, I just didn't do anything lying on my front I do a little bit four point kneeling cats, but I wouldn't take any extra body weight into that area mm. um at all um so yeah so after six weeks after the surgery you then get sent to an oncologist um, and you see him and I um, was told that because of the um, uh, cancer cells they'd found in the surrounding area, instead of the 15 radiation treatments that you would normally have, I was to be given 20. Um, So 15, what they call wide around the whole area and underneath the armpit and then an extra five very narrow, just where the lump um, had been. Um, Yeah, so um, I was booked in for that for marking up. Um, So marking up, uh, you go and you lie in um, a mocked up radiation uh, scanner, a CT scanner. You're obviously naked from the waist up. You spend a lot of time with your top (laughs) off, yeah. naked from the waist up and my oncologist at that point um five years ago it is very different now um Mm -hmm. spent a lot of time drawing circles on me and (laughs) marking up where he needed the radiation um to go using a ruler and
0: yeah very very now is this and they they, the scanners
1: now um, almost take an image of you, so they mark up I from the, so they mark up from the image without you having to be marked up. So in the end, this this first time, mm. um, they put three little um, tattoo dots, which they mark you up against the machine so that you can be put in exactly the same place every time. And again, they're just little blue dots. Looks like someone's attacked me with a biro. Mm. Um, Yeah, Uh, one in the centre at the front and then one under each side of the ribcage. They've got three points to line you um, up to. Um, So that was done. And obviously then, you know, um, so that whole process of marking up took about an hour. So I was about an hour in a machine with my arms over behind your head six weeks after I'd had surgery. It was not the most comfortable thing in the world I can tell you, and I can imagine for a lot of people, it's really quite horrible. Yeah, yeah, if really done all yeah. Done yeah. at the
0: time. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so I was marked out ready for the radiation, which started um, a few days later. Um, radiation is five days a week, so Monday to Friday, every day. For obviously, mine was going to be four weeks continuously um uh the radiation um is done over at st luke's at guildford here that's our local cancer center to me which is um a 30 minute drive away on a good day and obviously during traffic that can take anything up to an hour Mm -hmm. um yeah so the radiation itself actually only takes a minute or two you're under the beam um but actually us obviously the drive there trying to find somewhere to park your car waiting for your appointment and then getting actually set up on the machine takes a lot of time out of your day that you're doing every day and I think that's partly why you won't see people during some of their treatment because it is just a full-time job yeah it's so time consuming Yeah. yeah yeah so like I said um Colin drove me for the first Um, session over um, to Guildford. We had a permit to park the car but actually finding a space to be able to park the car is a Mm -hmm. a different issue. Um, Yeah so obviously you go into a waiting room and you wait to be called and you're taken into um, a CT uh, room where they do the radiation and actually over at St Luke's they have six machines. Uh, four on the go at the time and two are being maintained so there is a continuous maintaining cycle and mm. process yeah um so you you walk into the room and you obviously have to give over your name your date of birth um obviously any allergies like you normally would in any you know medical situation you have to obviously take your know, top half off again and you lie on the machine and then they try and line you up against your three dots mm. <laughs> so you've got a nurse on each side adjusting heights, movements they adjust you they don't want you to move at all so they're literally moving you around on Mm -hmm. this machine to get you marked up which is why actually getting you into the right place can take quite a long time time, can take quite a long time Mm. and once they get you in the right place you're not you're not allowed you're not allowed to move you just have to stay there yeah so what might have felt comfortable you know when you get marked up at the beginning you know (laughs) it might be different because your body will have changed over sort of four weeks more of of sort of treatment um yeah so you do end up with people like millimeters away from you while they're trying to mark you up and they're not always women that are doing this as well I must Mm -hmm. say a couple of times I did have a couple of guys that were not very far away from me yeah (laughs) um which yeah, it's fine, isn't it? It's their job, that's what they do. But I mean, yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of women that would find that quite disconcerting. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's one
0: of those things that, okay, the first time you do it, you don't even know what to expect. Yeah. You you know, you, you're thrown in there. Yeah. And, and okay, maybe we get used to it. But to just know yeah. that that's what you're going to go and have to do yeah. day today for that length yeah. kind of time. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I must say by the end... I was literally, as I was walking into the room, I was taking my top off and calling out my name (laughs) and everything. I was trying to get it all done as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. And I (laughs) almost knew the numbers that they needed to mark me up to as well. I'd heard it so many times, yes, to get me lined up. Um, Yeah. And that's just to
0: make sure that they're, they're hitting the same spot every time right where they need to be yeah
1: yeah well because radiation is Mm. so dangerous Mm. really uh they only want to get the area that's affected in fact during my treatment um they wanted me to hold my breath so that my body wasn't moving so the radiation stayed in exactly the spot that they wanted um partially because obviously my, my lump was on sort of the left sort of side because of where my heart was compared to my lung yeah. um yeah but obviously you don't want it affecting your heart or your lungs because you breathe too deep or too shallow and it changes where that radiation yeah is going to so yeah they're, they're <laughs> you know they're very good you go in and they say okay take a breath um hold it and they put the machine on and then they turn it off okay breathe again and it happens for a couple of times and they move the machine around to the different or the machine moves itself around to the different spots and you're you're gone and it takes a you know a couple of minutes I think for my treatment but yeah
0: so my goodness yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) um did that make you feel sick or Uh, you know from the treatment was was there any side effects that you had from the treatment uh
1: the first treatment that I went into I did feel nauseous when I came out afterwards Mm. but actually after that after the first couple I didn't feel nauseous or unwell in any way I didn't actually feel tired afterwards sometimes they say it can make you feel very tired um Obviously, because it is radiation, um, it's Mm. like sunburn on sunburn on sunburn. So it is sort of a continuous build up. And the longer you're obviously going through it, the more skin damage is obviously going to happen. And that skin damage, um, no different really to sunburn, to to be honest. So your skin will start to get hot. It will start to get red. So um, obviously, they suggest um, obviously a lot of moisturizers. Um, I used aloe vera out of the fridge as sort of a cooling agent Mm. Um, yes Um, and then what you also need to know is obviously a lot of our deodorants these days contain heavy metals and obviously you shouldn't be using anything with heavy metals when you go into like a radiation radiation. machine yeah so obviously I stopped using um, deodorant and obviously changed those types of deodorants but actually i probably hadn't been using anything because of the surgery under my armpit and the scar i wasn't brave enough to try putting anything like that on at that point yeah. so yeah um so after 20 radiation treatments um it was easter so that's how long the whole process sort of has gone on to i was coming up to the end of teaching it was um a Friday night, um, I was teaching my last couple of classes, and actually, I literally had no skin under my armpit on my left skirt side. It had all peeled off. It was red and it was raw. Um, in fact, to teach that class, I got to the point where I had to take my bra off because I couldn't even wear my bra. It was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but I thought I've just got this last class to do, and then I've got a couple of weeks off. Um, uh, and uh, I was given um some gel from the hospital to put on that um after that point that sealed Mm -hmm. it and um, kept it clean and dry because obviously I was worried about it getting obviously infected Mm -hmm. um so they they did give me um a gel to put over that again was kept in the fridge um and it healed up it healed up really well yeah it did heal up fine but obviously it was a bit of a It was a bit of a shock, Um, but radiation keeps on working for quite a long time after you've had the last treatment, a good couple of weeks or months or so, it will still um, keep working, keep- Keep processing. um, Yeah, well, making the skin very tight, it pulls everything in, yeah. So although um, actually it doesn't hurt, it's not uncomfortable, it does a lot of damage to the surrounding area mm. long, long term. And you obviously have to be very careful then um, about the sun afterwards. Um, so obviously, especially because my lump was quite high up in an yeah. area, if you're wearing like a little strappy top, you know, sun cream is a, a real must mm. afterwards for anyone that's had radiation um, therapy. Yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then the final part of this treatment was I was put on tamoxifen, which is an estrogen blocker. Um, It connects to the cancer cells and um, apparently tells them to stop growing and dividing. So um, I went a little bit into menopause or some of the effects of menopause. Mm. Um, It doesn't block all of the estrogen. It's just a little bit of a a blocker. Um, So I started overheating um a couple of times I'd be teaching and I'd be fine and then all of a sudden I'd literally overheat um to the point where I thought I would fall over that I would you know how you think I'm gonna have to sit down because I'm gonna fall over and then a split second later I'd be I'd be fine again yeah Yeah. um I didn't I got a little bit of obviously the night sweats but not very much but sleeping was a big um problem um I still couldn't lie on my left side I couldn't lie on my front, which is how I would normally sleep. So I was having to lie on my back or on my other side. Um, Mm. And I, yeah, sleep became a big problem. But that lot of treatment was finished, and you're told to just get on, move on, your life, go live it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So then you get um, to see, I get to see my oncologist once a year, and I would get to see my surgeon once a year. So, every sort of six months I would see someone and once a year I would have a mammogram so that was my ongoing um, sort of treatment. Um, Yeah so the first mammogram was excruciating to be quite honest because obviously Mm -hmm. the area that's been affected by the surgery you know does not like being squished at all. Yeah yeah was not nice yeah you would have thought by now they have a better way of doing um some (laughs) of these screening processes yes
0: (laughs) i'm just picturing if someone has had a mastectomy do would they still do that to check that there's not cancerous cells no if you've had if you've had a mastectomy
1: no there's no there's no screening yeah nothing nothing right no yeah you you just got to do your own self-examination yeah. yeah and for yeah. men
0: as well does...
1: I guess it must um it Maybe must it be the same back. yeah I guess it depends what they've had done mm. I don't actually know I mean they I know. they must I don't know I don't know
0: it's, it's I don't not know. your job too, Mel. No, no. <laughs> I no. was just wondering if it was just one of those bits of information that you'd picked up on, but yeah. No. It's making me think.
1: Actually. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I hadn't actually thought. I, I guess if there's some breast tissue, they must be able to get it in a mammogram. But I don't know. If yeah. there's no if they've had a mastectomy and there's no breast tissue, then no, yeah. I might look it up interesting
0: yeah (laughs) yeah find out it's the kind of thing that interests me
1: yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah so
0: um
1: obviously during that time um I still had um no sensation in a lot of the surgery areas um a lot of nerve um discomfort under the armpit Um, I had no sensation in the nipple area at all Um, and actually as time went on nearing a year or more it was actually starting to feel the whole area quite solid and uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to the touch and actually I'd started to notice um, when I was teaching and at this point obviously I could lie on my front but I was lopsided so my Mm. left side was solid but obviously I'd sink into the ground on my right side Mm. um so actually um it was during one of my sessions that I saw Hannah for a class and we were talking and um Hannah suggested I try something called scar therapy Mm. um and she gave me um a website to go and find um someone hopefully that there was someone local to me and actually there was a lady local to me who lives actually in fleet here um a scar worker called sarah Saul, um and actually at the end of this podcast is the link so that people can actually find oh, scar yes. workers who are local
0: to yeah. them yeah we'll make sure um, we include that yeah in the yeah, show notes. yeah yeah
1: Definitely. um brilliant um and she was amazing because I, w- I was obviously concerned that there would be a lot of people that wouldn't want to do any sort of work on such a sensitive body part as your breasts. I didn't know at that time that there were people that did these sorts of treatments. Um, so I did, I went to see her and, um, she was amazing. Um, it just felt like, well, it didn't even feel cause I couldn't feel it, but it literally mm-hmm. was her just brushing over the scars, um, tapping. Um, yeah. And the difference it made within a couple of sessions was just amazing. That feeling of solidness disappeared, a lot of the nerve pain that I was having um, disappeared. But actually um, I got back the sensation in my nipple. So whereas it didn't do anything before, now when, if it was touched, it reacted, which it hadn't done before, which I thought I would probably not ever get back having had that sort of surgery so you know I was not back to where I was before Mm. but I was doing really um really well um and she was helping um just ongoing I decided that this was something I was going to keep going with she was unwinding and working on the fascia of my body as well um yeah
0: and that um must have an effect on like the function of The whole of the breast tissue like you're saying if it all felt so solid just the function of that like you're saying the reaction yeah of it um and i'm sure i can't remember if this was in a workshop i went to or maybe a book that i've read you know when you're a child and you fall over and you say bang your elbow mum comes rushing over and you know rubs your elbow oh it's okay it's okay and there's something about your pet sorry your brain registering that pain uh, and my sort of understanding of it was oh that helps like dissipate the pain yeah. it, it dissipates through your body so your brain's not going oh this one area hurts 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 it's actually relieving it and as I always think and I say to my clients you know if anyone's had think, it's like well touch your feet if you if you don't have a relationship with your feet yeah. touch them yeah we need yeah. to like yeah. yeah why aren't we and I mean yeah. we I say yes. we use like plastic is yeah. probably do more than others. Yeah. Um, and then that's the movement of the lymph, which again, I know yeah. with the lymph nodes being removed, that's a whole yeah. other yeah. story yeah. as well, which I know is yeah. your story somewhere here.
1: <laughs> so, so, you know, I had been doing like gentle massage on the scar because obviously, mm. you know, we all, um, well, not we all, but, mm. you know, we've, all, um, you know, I guess as instructors, we know that, you know, doing a little bit of massage on any scar helps with it. So I had been doing, but I, ju- I needed someone else to do yeah. more. I, and what I was doing was not enough. I didn't have enough of a knowledge to know what needed to be done. And um, she did that. And, um, yeah, she's amazing. And I kept seeing her mm. for every, you know, six to eight weeks mm. um, after as a continuing self-care for me. I know... She normally um, might see someone for a few sessions and then mm. not, but yeah, I decided for me it was going to become part of my continuing sort of care package. And yeah. what
0: she did was just called scar therapy, was it? Because I know that yeah. the Bowen technique, which is, which I know um, treat. I mean, I I haven't had Bowen, I haven't experienced it, so I can't say like how it feels or what it is, but. Um, I know that that exists as well as a, in terms of a scar tissue re- release in the body but okay this I, scar therapy
1: yeah I, I didn't know about the Bowen mm. um in that way does that make mm. sense no yeah, um, yeah Sarah is a oncology scar therapist so she mm. she can obviously deal with she's trained to do other scars as well right. but she's done the extra training to deal, deal with oncology um scars especially yeah
0: so all all of that links back nicely to the living wetsuit yeah and the discussion that we had in the book club which yeah um, again this um will come on but you said about just doing the breathing exercises and how much that already okay it wasn't comfortable but how it changed what the how the tissue felt Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah well I think when the body's been affected in this way it's not just the immediate reaction to the surgery or the radiotherapy it's then how the body heals over time and that's not just like Mm. short term like a year afterwards it's a long long process and you know my I think the body I don't know maybe never really heals it's always something that you're going to be going through and dealing with the implications of you know this sort of surgery isn't it because you know you you cut the skin and it never heals up quite in the same way a little bit like you cut a piece of material and it never quite sews up and works in the same way does it so yeah
0: yeah yeah and it's kind of just just the start of your story as well Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, <everybody>. Don't <laughs> be <laughs> We've decided to leave it there for this episode. There is quite a lot to take in from just that small part of Mel's story. If you do have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at cat.proudfoot at PilatesFoundation I'll make sure I leave that and any other useful references in the show notes. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for the next chapter. Bye for now.